0: First of all, thank you very much for the very warm welcome and thank you for the offer of prayer before and I'm going to work on the basis during uh, this sermon. It ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. This quotation is attributed to the American author Mark Twain. And I believe it speaks for itself. A few moments ago, Jean read from Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 5, which presents us with the teaching of Jesus, and part of which we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to focus on what I call the radical demands of reconciliation. It's not difficult to understand. It's more difficult to put into practice and live in everyday life. And Jesus builds his listeners in his approach to accept something important. And he uses a phrase again and again. In fact, he uses it six times. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. This is Jesus establishing his authority. Authority which is much greater than that of Moses. And that in itself was radical. His listeners had been taught that they should not kill. But Jesus is even more radical than that. To use a modern expression, he raises the game. It was even more than obeying the letter of the law by not killing, because he goes beyond that, and his teaching goes right into the human heart. And he was teaching them, and of course we would say us as his followers today, that they had to deal with the anger that might be in their hearts. Earlier in chapter 5, again of Matthew's Gospel, in what we know as the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught this. Blessed are the pure in heart. In other words, pure hearts would have no place for anger. So, for any one of his listeners who might be thinking about the likes of the teaching, do not kill, I'm okay. I haven't killed anyone. I've obeyed the law. Jesus was going beyond that, Jesus was even more radical. He was radical also when it came to the likes of name-calling, calling a brother or a sister names. That should not be part of his kingdom that he wanted to establish here on earth. In short, he was challenging his followers to have a virtue that was deeper than that of the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus was a realist. He recognised that relationships, even in the best of relationships, amongst his followers, would and could go wrong from time to time. And so he taught them what to do when such a case would come about. His teaching on reconciliation was simple and yet radical. They were to resolve their differences before they would worship together. Let's hear again his words. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come. And offer your gift. So in other words, we need to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters first before we offer our gift at the altar and not the other way round. Reconciliation is not only about God reconciling the world to himself in Jesus or what is sometimes called vertical reconciliation, but also the followers of Jesus were to be reconciled amongst themselves, horizontal reconciliation. And yet, many of us who call ourselves Christians continue to worship, bringing our gifts before the altar, whilst in our human hearts still being angry, calling names, being responsible for unreconciled relationships. Now, as I read this piece of scripture, I understand Jesus to be referring to those occasions when his followers have done something wrong, have sinned against one another, and are responsible and so being responsible, need to seek for reconciliation. I don't believe he's saying that his followers are responsible for people having issues against them, such as when he taught earlier, happy are you when people abuse you and persecute you and speak all kinds of calumny against you on my account. In short, I believe that for us today, the teaching of Jesus means that when we have done wrong, when we have sinned, and that we remember that in coming to church or into worship, then we 're responsible, then we have to go and seek for reconciliation. And that doesn't mean that we're responsible to make reconciliation happen, because clearly there have to be two sides to this. clearly, our brother, our sister has to respond to accept our overtures. And, of course, we have no control of how he or she will respond. But for various reasons, we don't always seek to be reconciled. Even what with Jesus saying, go and be reconciled? It could be through fear. Fear that if I make the first move... The other person might reject it and might reject me. And so it takes courage to leave our gift before the altar and to go and to be reconciled. It takes humility to say simple words, simple phrases. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And yet those simple words, if sincerely meant, can actually go a long way, I believe, to reconciliation. But none of us should underestimate the courage needed to take the first step. I've sometimes heard people when we talk about reconciliation say things like, it's all very wishy-washy. I've heard others say we shouldn't use the word reconciliation or that the word has been hijacked. But with respect, I disagree. I believe that the problem is that for us as Bible-believing Christians, we haven't been practicing what we have been taught. We need to demonstrate in word and deed what it means to go and to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters when we have done something wrong. Whilst this passage is about individual reconciliation, I believe that similar principles can apply to the wider need for reconciliation in our society. <clears throat> On Friday night, the highly regarded, respected painter Colin Davison was in conversation with writer and broadcaster Barney Rowan in the Agape Centre in Belfast South Methodist Church as part of this Four Corners Festival. When Colin was talking about his amazing Silent Testimony exhibition and his paintings of 18 people, he mentioned two words that stayed with him from the experience, compassion and acknowledgement. And he told us that he saw these words, compassion and acknowledgement, as key to the future, to help us move forward as a society. And he suggests that in our dealings one with the other, if if compassion were to be the only mode behind that engagement, it could make such a difference. He also mentioned acknowledgement. When I look at the words of Matthew 5.23, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, Go and be reconciled to them. For me, this verse is also about acknowledgement. And I believe that groups in society can acknowledge our part in broken relationships and what has happened in our past. For Christians, we have prayers of confession for such time to acknowledge our wrongdoing. And I particularly like one that comes from the Book of Common Prayer, as used in the Church of Ireland. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. As our society grapples to find ways to heal the wounds of our past, I wonder what if the churches could take the lead in acknowledging the part we played in the conflict and inspired by the words of Jesus to leave our gifts before the altar and go and be reconciled.
1: It was my very great pleasure to attend several of the Four Corners Festival events this week. After sitting out the last few festivals due to the coinciding births of my young children, I had eagerly anticipated this year's events. I expected the events would be compelling and thought-provoking, and they were. What I didn't expect was the simple joy that came from journeying into new nooks and crannies of the city with others who are enjoying the same pleasure. On more than one occasion, I looked at the strangers surrounding me and saw a shared sense of wonder. Whether it was on the walk through the interface communities of West Belfast or during an event in which victims and survivors of the troubles told their stories, groups of strangers were pulled together by the intimacy of sharing what became sacred space. In essence, we were offering each other hospitality, the gift of temporary community. By coming together with curiosity, hope, and goodwill, We were engaging in what feels in these political times like a radical act of hospitality. At one point in the walk through West Belfast, the whole group of us were squeezed into the convent of the Sisters of the Adoration on the Falls Road, Catholics, Protestants, and people who wouldn't claim to be associated with Christianity. All were listening rapt as one of the elderly nuns explained what it was like to minister to people during the height of the hunger strikes. As I looked at the group around me that was certainly not comprised of the usual suspects, I felt like this temporary community was a far cry from much of what goes on in Northern Ireland. The present political situation has caused many people in Northern Ireland to feel hopeless. Particularly following the often dehumanizing rhetoric we've heard in world politics over the past year, people have been hungering for moments of grace and civility. The Four Corners Festival couldn't have taken place at a better time. It has offered the moments of transcendence that many of us have not found, yet found the courage to provide. The strength of the festival, people inviting other people into conversations that involve a slight step into the unknown, has provided those moments of grace that give us the energy to transform our business as usual situation into something new. Two of the most powerful events in the festival program were an event featuring the stories of four people injured or bereaved by the conflict, and an event featuring a conversation between journalist Brian Rowan and artist Colin Davidson about Silent Testimony, Davidson's portraits of victims and survivors of the Troubles. Both events acknowledge the wounded part of Belfast's history, bringing often forgotten voices and stories to the forefront of our attention. By providing space for victims and survivors' experiences to be voiced, the festival was highlighting the need for this ongoing conversation in our society. And by acknowledging the past, A sense of hope for the future was experienced by many of those attending. As one of the respondents said of the Silent Testimony exhibition, the exhibition made him realize that the past is part of the future and not just an inhibitor to it. There is a possibility of a broken, honest, but vibrant future, he said. In event after event this week, I witnessed hope being embodied as people celebrated what is good in our city and talked about ways in which Belfast's difficult past can be recognized and acknowledged. I feel like one of the Four Corners Festival's great gifts is holding hope. Somehow this ragtag bunch of volunteer organizers have found a way of helping people invite each other into our respective corners of the city as well as into our respective sorrows and joys. And this has generated hope at a time we need it the most. Hope that we can acknowledge our past, hope that we can create a future together, hope that our city will thrive and grow. Wounded and wonderful indeed.
2: I heard a grand thing recently. While talking to a very wise man, he said that when two strong magnets are brought together head to head with the same pole showing, their natural reaction is to repel each other. In order for them to get near, there must be a lot of energy exerted, and not just once, but continually. While they can maintain a sort of closeness, they never fully come together. What a waste of two strong magnets. However, if two magnets are brought head to head, exuding all their power, and then one or both of them move slightly to the side and can bear not to have to meet head on, a quite remarkable change takes place. Suddenly the two magnets meet fully and become connected to each other. In doing so, they create something new, a bigger, stronger magnet that has stickability, durability and longevity. What a great Four Corners Festival we have had this year. Ten days of bringing people together from all over Belfast, all over Northern Ireland, in fact from all over the world. And just like with those magnets, it has been a time of bringing people together side by side. All week long, my eyes have widened in amazement at some of the sights we've seen. Last Saturday, we had 70 people meet at Clonard Monastery and take a wonderful wander down the Falls Road and up the Shankle Road, stopping off at graveyards, places of worship, sculptures, mills. The most common thing I heard on that day was, wow, I've never been in this place. There was a kind of reclaiming going on, and it was Good. My eyes widened again at our multi-faith music event as members of our Jewish and Muslim communities sat side by side in Grosvenor Hall with Buddhists, Christians, Baha'i and Hindus, each listening with respect, and I think with real enjoyment too, to the musical expressions of each faith tradition. Again and again, people who could have come at each other head on with their differences didn't. They came together side by side And because of, not in spite of, but because of their differences, there was a real power in their coming together. Many times during the festival, I've had a sense of something good coming to life. All of those who attended, hosted or organized the events have given life to something very special. I believe we have co-created a sense of possibility and of hope. And as with all who create a life, we have a responsibility to nurture that life, to allow it to grow and to become all it can be. That's the challenge we must accept as we move towards the end of this year's Four Corners Festival. How do we grow the life we have co-created together? How do we walk this path together? You see, we know that the path to peace and reconciliation in our land has been a slippery one. And politically now, we are at another slippery moment Our politicians are people like the rest of us. They are wounded and they are wonderful. They are deserving of our prayers and our encouragement. Encouragement to make things better. And I would say all the parties here would say that they have moved considerably. And you know what? Maybe they have. Current realities, however, tell my simplistic brain that our magnets need to allow for some more movement to get side by side. Head on has no future. But what does give us a future and a future full of hope are the words from Matthew's gospel today. Go and be reconciled with your brother and your sister. Reconciliation will not be achieved head on. If it could be, we would have it already. No, it will be achieved and will have strength and stickability when in our woundedness and our wonderfulness, we truly get side by side in the four corners of this city and right across our land.